welcome. Uh, Vermont Viewpoint, this is Brad Furlan, your Thursday host today. I'm your Monday host, and so if, if you're going, hey, what, what day is this? I do that every day. Uh, and uh, so we have a great show today. We will be talking with writer Terry Lovelett about a new book he's got out called Thoughts from a Walk, Green Mountain Musing. Uh, then we're, we will have uh, Ron Fry and Erica Hayes uh, from the Cambridge Store, uh, and they are uh, going to talk about how their recovery from a flood has uh, been working out a lot better. Uh, we had them on uh, when the flood occurred, and it was very devastating. And at 10.30, Jenna's Promise, uh, Greg Tatro, Gregory Tatro, and Amanda Husey are going to talk about a concert that's coming up tomorrow uh, with a Pathway to Recovery Healing concert, it's called. And uh, it's free and open to the public, and it's slow music in a fast world. So that'll be... Uh, uh, we have a very calm show today. All, all good news stuff in a world that's not necessarily a good news world at times. Uh, this is Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. Uh, I had a great hike up, uh, Elmore Mountain, which I do every full moon at night. And, uh, lo and behold, it was snowy as can be. And my son joined me, which was great. I often do the hike alone, and he and our dogs, my two dogs and his dog, uh, joined, and we made it to um, almost the top, uh, a lookout on to Elmore, beautiful Lake Elmore in the town, and uh, it was uh, it was very cathartic, and it really segues nice into my first guest who has a, a new book out, Thoughts from a Walk. I want to welcome to the show, Terry Lovelett. Welcome. Thank you, Brad. It's uh, great of you to have me here, and I appreciate being on air. Well, it's great uh, it's great to have you here and exciting. Um, we've had a lot of authors over the last year uh, talking about their books and their journeys in life, and uh, so we're grateful to have you uh, be part of that. Uh, we both live in the same county, uh, and you are a, a, originally a, a Sheldon uh, boy, is that right? That, that's for sure, yeah. Born and raised in Sheldon Springs, Vermont. Uh, I had the good fortune of, uh, of uh, having a, a great group of friends when I, was, uh, when I was growing up on High Street in Sheldon Springs, Vermont. There were oh roughly twenty five of us that uh, you know ran around in the hills and in, in the in the area um, you know through the woods uh, camping out under the stars and uh, fishing in the rivers and swimming in the swimming holes it was a a great place to grow up in a, a wonderful group of friends that I had and and good role models as uh, as a, a group of parents that uh, that came with those kids as well. Hmm. Any specific uh, role model you want to mention, somebody who was instrumental in the early days for you? Well, you know, I... I guess the old adage uh, takes a village to raise a child comes to mind. Yeah, uh, uh, we had uh, every person on the street that I grew up in. There were six houses. Uh, was, you know, uh, uh, like a surrogate parent. You know, they were mentors. Um, 
they coached our teams. Uh, there was uh, at one point in time, I think, on our little league team, our coach uh, Jimmy Jackson was, uh, you know, we we called him Casey, and uh, he would uh, load us up in his station wagon. There were nine of us on the team from that street, and we would uh, we would go to the games, uh, similar to like the Bad News Bears, and <laughs> you know, we'd we'd go to the games and we'd we'd set up uh, you know batting practice and have infield practice, and you know, it was just an extension of life, and you know, all of those. Uh, folks, uh, Victor LaRose is another one, Wayne Norris, you know, my dad, Norm Lovelett, uh, they were all great folks uh, to be around, and uh, they kept us in line and, and, and pointed the way. Our younger listeners are Googling Station Wagon, and uh, they can get back to us on that. Yeah, wood uh, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> wood on the side, right. Uh, so... Sheldon has a claim to fame. It's a, a paper mill that's been a huge employer for a long time and still is. Yes. Uh, were, were, was your family involved in that? Was that part of it? Well, yeah. yeah my dad worked there for 40-some years. Uh, in fact, uh, every every person on the street, uh, every man on the street, and some of the women worked, worked there as well, uh, which was the case for most folks in town. It was a major employer for you know, not not only Sheldon, but for Franklin County in general. And, uh, you know, a lot of really good folks, uh, you know, worked at the mill and uh, gave their time selflessly to the community to to provide us with opportunities as best they could uh, during that time frame. And was there a tug on you to be a, a mill worker, or what happened there? <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> you know, I, I – well, so I went to, you know, my, my focus in – in high school was to play sports and to try to keep my nose clean. Uh, I did that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but uh, the sports were, were a common theme. We played a lot as kids in the, in the neighborhood. Every, every season we were, we were engaged in some kind of sporting activity. Uh, baseball seemed to be the, uh, you know, the, the real focus for most of us in hockey as well. So, um, you know, going to high school, that was a, that was a primary, uh, objective to try to make the teams and do as best we could in, in the, in the world of sports, if you would. Uh, uh, I didn't pay enough attention in high school to my academics to be ready to go to college after I graduated. So, you know, then it was get a job. Uh, you know, I played junior hockey for a year in Bedford, Quebec, and, um, you know, then people stopped asking me to play hockey, so I knew I had to go to work. Uh, I came home with an application. Uh, for the mill, and my my dad ripped it up and said, "You're not going to work there." Wow. He said, "Find another place to work." Wow. And uh, he said, "the the world is big, and go explore it." And I remember that uh, explicitly. Uh, and when my dad my dad never really gave a lot of advice, but when he did, you wanted to listen, and I think that was sage advice. Um, it, it bode well for me in my life. It was so. It sounds like it was a polite get out of the house. Uh. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe. Uh, but I think more more than anything, it was. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, a strong suggestion that. Uh, you know, you can go. You can go find your path here, and uh, you know, it uh, maybe it's bigger than than Sheldon Springs. Maybe you can go. You know, find other places to. Uh, 
you know, to to lead, to lead your life and in, in, in work and and find a career. Yeah, and I I hear both stories go both ways. You know, the they sometimes they the parents don't want the apple to fall far from the tree. And, you know, he could have said, hey, I've been a millman. You should be a millman. We're millmen. But he saw something different for you, which is very courageous on his part, too. Well, it certainly is. And, you know, I think one thing that uh, I probably took for granted too much in my life was the fact that you know, my my dad and folks like him grew up during the Depression. Uh, They as kids went out and worked not so they could raise money to buy Nikes or you know the the latest uh, uh, you know gizmo that was uh, electronically out the market to buy they worked to uh, bring home money to buy food or they brought home eggs or 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 meat from uh, the farms that they worked on and then uh, they graduated from high school uh, guys like my my father and uh, you know they they were rewarded with that graduation by a trip to an exotic place like Iwo Jima. Mm. And, and they fought in World War II. And so I can't imagine what it must have been like to be folks like my dad who, who had those experiences, right? Um, and I think we take that for granted way too much today. Uh, so the world for my dad became big in a hurry. And I think he always was encouraging of each one of us to find our own path. He never he never pigeonholed us into one way of of looking at life. Each one of us had our own unique way of looking at it, and I think he appreciated that. And I think he provided ample direction on how to proceed on that path. Was he athletic as well? Did he do sports in his day? <laughs> he did. He played uh, high school sports, and he grew up in Richford, Vermont. And uh, that was actually the first location that I I, uh, I came into the world at in Richford, and we moved to Enosburg, and then down to to Sheldon Springs when I was four years old. Which yeah, I, you know, was born and raised. So yeah, my dad had sports as a you know primary focus in his life, and he also was was very key in uh, you know working uh, with the community to establish uh, the little league. Uh, programs that now exist today, uh, the Missisquoi Valley or the Missisquoi Little League uh, uh, program that, that so many kids have enjoyed. My, my dad was at the, at the starting, uh, uh, leading edge of that, bringing that to the, to the community. Definitely sports has been a big part of uh, shaping um, people's lives. We're talking with Terry Lovelett. He's got a new book that's out, Thoughts from a Walk, Green Mountain Musings. And uh, he also, early years, were in Sheldon, Vermont. And, uh, Terry, I just want to uh, do a quick story, my Sheldon Mill story. I lived in St. Albans, and I would uh, ride my bike from St. Albans on the bike path to the Abbey and back. It was sort of my cathartic uh, exercise, about a 25-mile loop. And one day I rode past the Sheldon Mill area where all the tractor trailers were in a big lot and continued on towards, you know, towards the Abbey. And I got about a half mile down the bike path and I could see this dog crossing from a farm coming my way and he did not have what I would call cute, friendly appearance. (laughs) 
And I turned around uh, and started riding as fast as I could. And he kept coming and coming and coming. He was definitely after me. And I rode as fast as I could to get to the road. And the first trailer of all the trailers, I dropped my bike and I climbed a ladder on the trailer all the way to the top. The dog comes whipping around the corner. He sees my bike and he's sniffing around. He's trying to figure out where I am. I'm up on the trailer. I'm huffing and puffing. And finally, after probably 10 minutes, he, he heads back to the farm. I climb down this ladder and I ride home. And the next time I rode up there, I looked, and there must have been 40 trailers in this lot. The only trailer with a ladder was the one at the front. <laughs> and thank God, right? Absolutely. Uh, so that's that's my Sheldon Mill story. Um, so you, you came in this morning, and first thing I see, you're talking with uh, Quorum, our station manager, a little history with him with hockey is that right uh yeah well i had the good fortune of uh of becoming acquainted with uh, mike gilligan uh you know quite some time ago through my hockey connections in st albans uh, toby duclon and and uh, red gendron um and then running some uh, usa hockey uh, coaching clinics with with red and uh you know, becoming acquainted with Mike and, uh, f- you know, familiarizing yourself with each other, uh, which led to, you know, me um, becoming a volunteer goalie coach at the University of Vermont. Uh, Mike asked me to do that. And uh, I did that for 21 years. And in the process of doing that, I met, I met a whole host of just absolutely wonderful people. And uh, and Corm was certainly one of those folks. He had a connection with the University of Vermont through Tom Brennan and did the PA work there for for a number of years. Just a just a great guy, and uh, you know, uh, uh, really, uh, you know, just a, a, for me, it's a um, an example of uh, the wonderful people that you meet uh, in the journeys that you take. Yeah, and a goalie coach it just never occurred to me how specific training is, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so you were working individually, and, and UVM had some great goalies over the years. Some One went on to play professionally, I believe. Oh, a number of uh, goaltenders at UVM went on to play professionally. Uh, you know, the most noted, of course, would be Tim Thomas. Who, yeah. He won the uh, the Vezina Trophy in Conn Smythe and uh, in Stanley Cup with the Bruins, uh, you know, and uh, was very uh, a very accomplished athlete. Uh, it was a it was a gift for me to be able to be involved with the with the program, and and, and certainly UVM hockey was uh, far better for me than I was for it. You know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons there, and uh, had uh, some great mentorship with uh, wonderful people at UVM as well, and still maintained connections with uh, you know. The majority of the the goaltenders that I worked with uh, over the years, uh, you know, when you when you work with a goaltender, it's it is very specific, and we would have morning goalie sessions, and you know, we would try to tailor our approach to the needs of the goaltender. Uh, most of the kids at that level, I say kids, they're young men. Uh, you know, were were very intuitive with what they needed to work on. They were honest with themselves about what their weaknesses were, and you know, we would try to target our approach to uh, do the best we could to to turn that weakness into a strength. Wow! So this is 
um, has to do with your book because this is our journey, right? Yep. Uh, so with, do you have like one of your best slap shot guys at the blue line just pounding your goalie and, and, and you're giving them guidance? How does that work? Well, uh, so yeah, it's a good question because, you know, we would set up specific drills and, you know, certainly, uh, I wasn't going to be able to shoot uh, 300 hockey pucks in an hour. So, <clears throat> you know, I had trouble shooting 10, to be honest with you. You know, but uh, the players would volunteer to come out. Uh, we would try to tailor some of the drills that we did. Uh, so it was, uh, it would help the goaltender, but would also help the player. You know, situational awareness, uh, you know, uh, skill-oriented work that they would do coming out of the corners, uh, you know, quick-release shots, one-timers, et cetera, uh, trying to create these situations that occur in a game that are challenging for a goaltender, but also from a, uh, you know, from a forward or a defense point of view, uh, these types of uh, drills would would help them, uh, you know, become more effective at their game. So uh, Franklin County had a renowned hockey player, John LeClaire. Were you, were you around during John's days? Uh, John was ahead of me, and uh, I coached a little bit at uh, Bellas Free Academy, and John was ahead of me there. Uh, and then he was ahead of my time at the University of Vermont. Uh, so, you know, John's good fortune, I guess. I never had I never had my hands on him. You know, he, yeah. he, he was able to uh, just phenomenal career, uh, you know, a great person and a you know phenomenal athlete um, and uh, and really you know perhaps uh, the best hockey player uh, that will ever come out of Vermont well and not only that a real nice guy a very nice guy. Uh, he was very uh, genuinely uh, calm and nice uh, 50 goals three years in a row I think played a couple teams mm. but uh, really a gentle giant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, you know, I knew his parents. His dad worked at, uh, you know, managed Sherwin Williams in, in town, and I would see Butch regularly when I'd go in there to, to get my paint. And, uh, you know, and I think John had that down, down home quality about him that, uh, you know, is very endearing. Well, I also have a story with, with the Clares. They lived in a adjoining townhouse to me in St. Albans. And after Mr. LeClaire died, um, I would often, in in the winter, I would shovel my side and I would shovel um, Mrs. LeClaire's side and, and uh, brush off her car. And I would do that on sort of on a regular basis. And, you know, it's what we do in Vermont kind of thing. That's right. So one morning I hear some noise out on the out in the walkway and someone's shoveling and it's like, Six in the morning, and I look out, and John LeClaire's shovel, shoveling off my deck. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So the the world is small sometimes, and yeah. and small and good. We're talking this morning with uh, Terry Lovelett, new book, uh, Thoughts from a Walk. Believe it or not, we will be talking about that book as well. Um, but we also, Terry, I want to talk a little bit about your personal journey. I've shared with listeners that. I have uh, been in recovery now 20 years. I, I hit a 20-year mark in October, and it certainly changed my life. I was uh, really reached a point where it was lying in the sand for me, um, whether I would, you know, continue to live or if alcohol was just going to take me down. Uh, you you've been on a little bit of a similar journey in, in yes. your own shoes. 
uh, what about that? Yeah, what about that? That's a that's a great question. Hmm. Um, I I can't say that I know what about that, but I know that it's a wonderful um, venture to be involved with. Uh, you know, we for me it was uh, life was uh, constantly a chase. You know, I was trying to become, trying to become. Like I said earlier, I didn't I didn't go to college right out of high school. Uh, I got a job. I I ended up going getting a job at IBM. Had a lot of wonderful mentors there and, and they said hey kid you work hard but you you need to get a little smarter so i started going to school and i got an associate's degree and then i got a bachelor's degree while i was working and in, in, in raising a family and and doing community things as well and it you know it was overloading and uh, uh you know it uh, sometimes overwhelming but i but i did it and i completed it uh you know which uh you know is something that uh, I've I share with my friends I can be stubbornly determined and you know that a little little hockey segue here I remember having a conversation I played for Bill Beanie at high school and Bill was telling me that I was stubborn and I said Bill I'm not I'm not stubborn I'm determined He's like, Terry, I know the difference. <laughs> You're stubborn. And so, you know, I've kind of mixed that together and I, I do have a, uh, I do have a stubborn determination about me and that can, that can be uh, a really good, uh, asset or it can be, it can be something that is a detractor as well. So, you know, for me, it became a detractor and I, I couldn't cope. And, um, you know, I started, uh, for me, I started drinking more, and the more I drank, the worse I felt. And, you know, I finally got to a place where I was just simply sick and tired of being sick and tired. I, nothing seemed okay for me anymore. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't appreciate life. I, I, in fact, I didn't want to be here. And I walked around uh, feeling uh, in despair quite quite often, uh, practically every day. And in um, coming into recovery and... Uh, you know, getting into a community of, of folks in a 12-step community uh, has helped me rediscover a joy in life that I, uh, I really never even fathomed I, I could find. Great. We're talking with uh, Terry Lovelett, and thanks for that, Terry, um, your, your willingness to be open about that. Um, we're talking this morning with Terry Lovelett. He's got a new book, Thoughts from a Walk, that we're going to get into. But we do have a caller on the line, uh, looks like from the Adirondacks. Uh, Kathleen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I do live in, you know, upstate New York, but um, your station is my favorite, and I listen every day, almost all day, really. We, we love that. Thank you. <laughs> I have a comment. I grew up in Lenox uh, Dale, Massachusetts, and the difference between Lenox and Lenox Dale was Lenox Dale was the mill worker town. And my father and my grand my grandfather and my father and my brother all worked there. And my grandfather, it was Schweitzer's Mill. It was a for tissue paper or something. My grandfather uh, died at at fifty two of alcoholism, and my dad died at fifty seven. And I just buried my brother at fifty six uh, about six months ago. And um, um, the struggle. My sister at the funeral said, "You know, she was the hard one. You know, really trying to force him into treatment." And and I was his best friend because I didn't know what else to be. But um, I love Milltown. I understand alcoholism, although I've never 
had anything to drink. To me, it always tasted like cough syrup, whatever it was. I never did. <laughs> so, um, but my but my sister does a little bit. But 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 the men in my family all worked in the mill, and and one of the best memories of the mill uh, that I remember is that my mother would take us every uh, right near Christmas, and um, she picked up a station wagon full of toys <laughs> from the mill. My brother would get a train set. I would get dolls and things. And every Christmas, the mill gave us Christmas. Every Thanksgiving, the mill gave us Thanksgiving. So I don't mean to ramble, but that's my story. And thank you um, for yours. I, I love your program. Well, thank you very much, Kathleen, for that. And we're first and foremost, we're sorry about your losses. Uh, that's hard. And uh, you've endured a journey. But we also love, Terry, you may want to comment about the uh, both the, the mill family concept, but also the struggles? Well, I, I think the struggles, uh, uh, they're not, well, for me, they're not, they're not just, uh, you know, centered on a mill family. Uh, um, I think there's obsessions, uh, compulsions, uh, addictions of every kind in, uh, in our world, in our society, if you will, and uh, they play themselves out uh, on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult uh, I've, I've found to, you know, to try to work your way through all of that on your own. And, you know, the, the byproduct sometimes is turning to some other outside source, be, be it alcohol or whatever your obsession or compulsion is to try to mitigate that, uh, you know, that unrest that's inside of you. And, um, you know, that never turns out quite quite like we planned. You know, we think it's going to bring us some inner peace. We think it's going to bring us some calm, but it, it brings a lot of drama, chaos, and confusion uh, along with it. And, uh, you know, I found for myself uh, that, that that serenity and that inner peace that I was always striving for uh, came to me through, uh, you know, finding, uh, for me, a higher power in my life, uh, you know, a, a way to lead my life uh, with uh, with spiritual principles. And, um you know that brought on this 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 calm. Uh, this uh, for me, I you know it 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 really played itself out in uh, in three ways. Um, you know, helping me uh, get to a place where you know I I have a calm mind most of the time, a calm mind, a loving heart, and a peaceful soul, and uh, that. It is a remarkable gift that I'm grateful for. It is quite a transition. We're talking uh, with Terry Lovelett, uh, his new book, Thoughts from a Walk. But I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We have Brian from Milton uh, uh, joining the show. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. Terry, I... Uh coached youth hockey in Milton many years ago and I also worked for a contractor at IBM and we would have just casual conversations here and there about hockey and things and you were just such a great guy all the time just talking generally never too good to talk to anybody and I never took advantage of your knowledge in hockey but it was just great being able to talk to you whenever I saw you and you were always very friendly and I I just wanted to say thanks for for that and I look forward to getting your book. Thank you very much, Brian. That's very touching. It's great to hear from you. You bet. You hit the heartstrings, Brian. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate okay. that. Have a great day. <laughs> we have uh, so Terry had um, a book, uh, first book called "Down Back: Spiritual Reflections and Poetic Thoughts from a Good Old Boy." Uh, <laughs> good thing you don't have that on a business card <laughs> by Terry Lovelett. It's. Uh, 
you know, part of his journey and now a new book, Thoughts from a Walk, Green Mountain Musings. So you, you've got writing in your blood and, uh, was the, to, to, to the second book, Thoughts from a Walk, were you actually just writing each episode, uh, sort of when you did a hike, you'd journal it, did a hike, journal it? Mm-hmm. Is that how it worked? No, not at all. Okay. It, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't go that way at <laughs> Never all. Never take me. anything for granted, folks. <laughs> you know, what, what really transpires is, uh, you know, I, uh, I start my day off, uh, pretty much the same way every day. I have a, a, a set of prayers and meditations that I go through in the morning to try to get myself centered and within and, uh, you know, not take myself too seriously in the whole process of doing it. And then I read uh, some spiritual meditations. Um, and I've, through a, a you know, a, a group, uh, uh, Sponsored by uh, Richard Rohr, uh, I found uh, this practice of uh, contemplative uh, walking. So it's it's kind of a meditative approach to life, where I take these meditations that I I read in the morning and I walk with them, and I try to I try to just let them work inside of me, and I and I let I let things go. Thoughts come in, I let them go. Thoughts come in, I let them go, and I just try to enjoy what it is that I'm experiencing at the moment. I have, uh, you know, the good fortune of being healthy enough uh, to be able to get out and, and walk quite a bit. And I typically, for the last decade and a half, I've I've walked uh, 1,000 to 1,500 miles a year in various places. I've through-hiked the Long Trail. I've hiked the John Muir Trail and uh, the Sierra Nevada, and I through-hiked the, the Teton Crest Trail uh, and, and a lot of other places, uh, you know, desert and mountainous terrains uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada. Uh Every time I go, it's it's different. You you experience. You might go to the same place even sometimes, and you experience it differently. The environment's different. Uh, you know, my my condition is different, and um, you know, I find that what happens for me is when I go to this uh, these places in that mindset. Sometimes I come back and I'm I'm inspired to write, and I, I just have these words kind of. I say they come through me, not from me, and uh, and they flow out. And sometimes I might go to sleep and wake up in the morning, and I have to I have to pen some things out, and uh, and these words uh, these words appear. And for me, it's meaningful. It's a way for me to flush out my truth, of uh, you know what is it that I'm experiencing at this point in time, and um, you know how how do I how do I want to express that? And it is it's a cathartic learning process for you as well. Absolutely, absolutely, it's very cathartic. You know, it's. Uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I think Henry Noyan t- talks about this a little bit about finding that, that place when you write <clears throat> about, uh, really trying to find your inner truth and write from that place of inner truth. And yeah, that's what I try to do in the whole process of, of doing that, trying to get to a place of rigorous honesty within myself. Uh, it is a, a very cathartic, uh, uh, exercise to engage in. So I look at some of the chapters in your musings, or each muse has a has a title. Uh, as the sun sinks low, uh, um, uh, wisdom of the owl, whispers from the woods, thoughts in the snow, walk slowly with a child. It's got a little bit of a uh, Robert Frost feel to it, you know, Vermont um, Vermont feel mm-hmm. and. Are they connected? It, do each, each story has its own 
uh, meaning, but does it, does it flow? Does one common theme flow through everything? Well, e- each one is independent in and of itself. It, yeah. It's a result of some, uh, you know, some way for me to express myself after going on a hike or being in a, uh, you know, a, uh, a wilderness uh, type setting, uh, but the, the themes that flow through it all uh, really are uh, are common. It's a it's a meditative uh, form of prayer for me, and you know so that theme goes through everything, and uh, I don't get caught up on what to call all of that. I just recognize that it is, and I think each one of us has, you know, some sort of uh, you know that uh, that realization within us that you know we can find our inner truth uh, if we go there. Right, but it's a scary place to go to sometimes. So people, I, I think my, myself included, uh, and I should only speak for myself. Uh, I was reluctant to go there. You know, it was a little scary for me. But going there has been uh, an absolutely wonderful adventure, and uh, one that I'm again grateful for. We're talking this morning with Terry Lovelett, new book, Thoughts from a Walk: Green Mountain Musing. We visited a little bit, Terry, about um, recovery and how we both, you know, hit a point in our life, I call it the line in the sand moment, where you sort of even working towards life or working towards death. I think that's mm-hmm. how it was for me anyway. And you've you made that juncture to uh, not only healthier world, but a cathartic world of, you talked about hundreds and hundreds of miles of hiking and uh, your book, uh, Thoughts from a, a Walk. Uh, what about the, the hiking? Does it, does it just put you into another mindset, uh, connecting with nature? What's, where, what are the big things about that that our listeners can grab onto if they're struggling a little bit? Sure. That's a great question, and I, I think it's been touched on uh, by a lot of great people over the course of time. Uh, you know, Thoreau had a lot to say about that. Uh, so does a, a wonderful author that I really enjoy, John O'Donohue, about, you know, about getting to that place where, you know, you re- really appreciate uh, uh, the aspect of nature uh, and what it brings to us. Um, if you go into the woods, and I've done this, where you know I'm all tied up inside of myself and I'm I'm obsessed with you know whatever thought I'm obsessed with, uh, I don't enjoy it because obviously I'm in a, in a in a state of turmoil. But when I go in and I'm I'm open to what nature provides, uh, it brings it brings gifts all the time. It's everywhere. All the time, and uh, you know the. I can't explain how it happens, but it does happen, and this is something that you know occurred to me when I was hiking the Long Trail. I did a through hike in 2012, so every day I'm walking in this, and I I love a, this prayer called the Saint Francis of Assisi prayer, being a channel of peace, and I would walk with that prayer every day, and I found that more and more. Um, this aspect of nature, this beauty in nature was being presented to me. And now every time I go, um, you know, quite literally, every time I go, uh, that's what I'm open to. And I try to uh, engage uh, my walks uh, in that manner. So it's it's a wonderful way to, to lead my life. And it puts me in a place where um, I, I'm, I'm, I feel I feel wonder, wonderful about being alive in um uh, that's a, that's a real gift. 
And I'm guessing you don't know what each hike will bring you. Is that right? Well, it'll bring me uh, an appetite so I can go home and eat cookies. Like that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but it, it also, I don't, I don't know what, what it brings me. You know, I mean, who who really knows what the day is going to bring any one of us, you know, and um, it, it started out for me where, you, you know, uh, you know, these folks I talked to uh, would suggest to me, hey, you know, if you're all wrapped up in yourself, move a muscle and change your thought, Terry, you know, go for a walk. So it started out like that. And when I first started walking, I, I really was so in such a bad place uh, physically and, and mentally that it, it was tough for me to get through a mile. And and now I mean, I'm banging out uh, 1,000 to 1,500 miles a year. Uh, so the the transition has been remarkable, and it's not something that I could have done on my own. I needed I needed the influence of uh, of things greater than me to to pull me in that direction. The uh, the hiking. Uh, it looks like we have a caller, uh, and I want to go to the phone lines. It's Mark from Middlesex. Uh, welcome to the call, Mark. Um, yeah, you know, as far as nature goes, um, I grew up, but home life wasn't great, so I found solace in the woods. I spent a lot of time, <clears throat> excuse me, in woods, swamp. I grew up in the northern part of Pine Barrens there. Um, yeah, it, it, we were all mistakes from the old man, and my mother drank a lot, so I really couldn't trust her. But, um, but in the woods, it, it has a, a calming the fact like you mentioned and, and I think it comes from us being subjects you know as, as far as you know on, on this planet you know we're flying around on this rock at what 58,000 miles an hour and and so we're subjects to, to how nature works and you know our forefathers spoke of uh, the laws of nature in, in their <clears throat> excuse me their writings and I believe the first law of nature is honesty. You know, um, she's as vicious as she's gentle, but she's honest. You know, your number's up, it's up. There's nothing you're going to do about it. But matters, you know, the whole hell of a lot in between there from birth to death, you know, what you do with it. And she she guides us, you know. Um, it's a life and death. I think it comes from... <clears throat> The power, or, you know, what you feel out there, the calm, you're surrounded with the life and death situations, you know, every second you're out there. Um, but it's balanced, you know, ever-changing but balanced. So it's a real dichotomy is going on there. And if you are accepting of your surroundings, then you'll, you'll be calmed by it because you've become part of that. And... And an appreciation for that, that's the ace of spades, you know. If you have appreciation, you don't need a whole hell of a lot more than what your surroundings supply. And anyway. Yeah. Uh, Mark, we really like appreciate about hockey. Excuse me. Um, yeah. I'd like to talk about hockey. Uh, one of my sons wants to be a goalie. Well, <laughs> it's the only way he could get on the ice. He's freshman, and they got him as varsity goalie up here, U32. And so if you have any pointers that way, um, I'd appreciate it. You can find uh, Terry on his website, I believe, and uh, have that conversation. Thanks for the call, Mark. Yeah. Really appreciate your gentle insights into uh 
uh, how uh, life can be hard. Um, Terry, I want to come back to you. Um, can you give us a little sample of your uh, writing and uh, for our listeners? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, this this passage is called Peaceful Serenity. It's a it's a short passage, and sometimes uh, you know these short passages. Uh, just come to me, and, and here's one. It's called Peaceful Serenity. Having a sense of what's good for us and then making time each day to engage in a little of it is one of the greatest discoveries of human life. This simple practice helps enable what is emerging from the deeper well inside us. Slowly, it works to peel away the busyness of society. <clears throat> At first, a trickle of inspiration appears, followed often by a full flow of creativity, contentment, and grace, a flow that can take us through every troubling thought or obstacle that on the surface might seem immovable. Ultimately, it ushers in ample opportunities to reflect, reflect on life with gratitude. Then it sends you on your way with a peaceful serenity, enough at least to last the day. We live in a beautiful place. Awesome. Love hearing that. Uh, if you've been uh, listening to our show, part of the theme is hope, uh, Terry. You can get from a, a bad place to a good place. And hiking is sort of this metaphor. If I find when I look up at a mountaintop from the parking lot, I go, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> But then if I put one foot in front of the other, uh, what happens? There you are. Uh, and that is life, isn't it? Uh, you know, we, we have these, uh, pathways that we all walk. And if we, if we are, are true to that pathway, we find the, uh, the trail markings, the foot, uh, placement and the handholds that will help us uh, get up that mountain and, uh, view life from a, a, a different perspective. Awesome. We've been talking this morning with Terry Lovett. Thank you so much for being my guest, Terry. His new book, Thoughts from a Walk. If you Google Thoughts from a Walk, Green Mountain Musing, you can find it. It's, uh, you can order it at any of your local bookstores now. And, uh, very soon it'll be, uh, in, in the store to pick up. Terry will do some book signings. We're done. Uh, this segment will be back right after this. Thank you. 